Thank you, ladies, for that. We come time now for the reading of God's Word. Uh, there'll be a Bible there in the chair back in front of you. Uh, the verses also appear on the screen today. Uh, we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 42 and verse number 36. Genesis chapter 42 and verse number 36. Those of you who are able, if you'll stand at this time, I'll read as you follow along in Genesis chapter 42 and verse 36. The Bible says, And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for uh, this opportunity we have to come and worship together in fellowship. And... Amen. All right, thank you. Thank you for that. I, someone sent that song to me a few months ago, and boy, it, the message is powerful. Because you know, a lot of times you, you do not get what you ask for. Sometimes you get more than you ask for, and sometimes we, we pray and we ask the Lord to do things, and it's as if our prayer is unanswered. I think Paul probably thought that when he asked three times that his uh, thorn in the flesh be removed. And I've said it many times, boy, if there's anybody in the Bible who probably you would have said of that he ought to get his prayers answered, it would probably be the Apostle Paul. But uh, I think we can take comfort sometimes that even the Apostle Paul did not get every prayer answered. At least, you always get an answer, by the way. It's not always the answer you want. It's not always in the time in which you think you need it. But God always answers the cries of his children. But um, the, the lesson from that song, I think, if, even if you don't, um, and uh, boy, that's a, that's a good reminder to us. Andy led us in the, the reading of the verse from Genesis <laughs> chapter 42 and verse 36. We're not going to preach on this, but I, we're going to use it as a way of contrast between Jacob and another individual who singularly stands out. Here's Jacob, and I, I won't belabor the point because I think this is probably going to take us a couple weeks to preach this message. Um, we know what's happened in Jacob's life. We know that God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Uh, we, we know that uh, Jacob here um, is, uh, is going through it, and, but he doesn't realize what God is about to do. He doesn't realize that God is about to work in a marvelous way. He's about to see Joseph, of whom he felt that he had been robbed, and he, he never got an answer as to why. And so he gets to the end, Jacob, their father, said unto me, have you breathed in my children? Joseph is not, Simeon is not. Simeon was the one that stayed back in Egypt and, uh, uh, and in lieu of Benjamin coming. And he said, and you will take Benjamin away, all these things are against me. And then finally, he finds out that Joseph is alive, and uh, he's told to gather everything and come see him. And a great reunion takes place. Jacob never got over this, though, because you see it as the close of Genesis occurs, and Jacob is pronouncing his blessing upon his sons. Man, it's harsh. I mean, he starts with the first one, the eldest, Reuben, you're unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. And it doesn't get better until he gets down to Joseph and he calls Joseph a fruitful bough and God's going to bless him. But every one of those guys along the way, he just, he just nails them. 
because he never got over this right here. I, I want us to look at another individual. And I realize that J- Jacob's a saved man, so I'm going to see him in heaven, and I always try to tread carefully. But I know that God put us, this in there for our admonition. But I, I want to take you over to another individual, and uh, we're going to look at his life. And that's in Job chapter number one. And we're going to start in uh, verse number eight. So if you've got your Bibles and, and can turn there, that'd be great. Job chapter 1, verse 8, and I don't see it in my notes here, so forgive me for that. If you don't have a Bible, it's there in front of you, in the, in the seat in front of you, um, if you need to turn to it, because I'm not able to pull it up, and I, I did not include it in the slides, and I apologize for that. Job chapter 1, and if you can find that, keep it open there, and uh, we'll look at that verse. Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. That means he fled from it. He wanted no part of it. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? There's so much encouragement found in here because it basically is saying you have protected this guy. And really, no matter what's happening in your life, always rest assured that God is always working on your behalf. Even when you wonder, God is still working. Then Satan answered the Lord, or verse number 10, Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and the substance is increased in the land. <laughs> verse 11 and 12, But put forth thine hand now, touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. There's so much in that passage. And one thing that we find also is not only does God have a hedge about his children, but also God knows his children better than the devil does. Because you remember, the devil says, I know what's going to happen when this happens. And God says, "Ah, no, that's my son. You don't know what you're talking about. It's been said so many times, God never puts on you more than you can stand. I don't know that that's true. I think God never puts on you more than he can handle. Because if God is in us, and he is as a child of God, God will never put more on you than he can handle. That kind of is pressed and stressed here in this passage. But I want to speak on this thought. And that is, don't lose it when you lose it. Because everybody loses in life. We're not all winners at everything. Do you realize that if you, if you miss on 70% of your at-bats in baseball, you'll be a multimillionaire? 70%. Because the very best will have an on-base percentage. And those of you that don't know baseball, that's Okay. I'll have an on-base percentage somewhere in the neighborhood of above 300 when you include on-base for errors or on-base for walks. But an on-base percentage that is between three and 400, you'll be a multimillionaire for many, many years. But most of the time, you'll get out. You'll fail. If, you, uh, if you're a quarterback in the NFL and you miss half the time, you can make a lot of money. But you'll miss. You'll throw pick sixes. You'll throw interceptions. You'll overthrow. You'll underthrow. 
You'll misread a route, but you'll make a fortune. Why? Because failing is so normal. If you're a basketball player and you shoot 50% from the field, do you realize that even the most prolific shooter in the NBA from three-point range this year was just a hair under 40%? That means he missed over 60%. But he just signed a contract almost of $200 million for being wrong 60% of the time. For us in life to bring it down to our scales. And I'd like to have one of those guys come to church and tithe just one time. (laughs) But you're going to lose in life. You don't always win. Not everything goes your way every time. It just happens. There are hurts, wounds. Most of us, though, we lose it when we lose it. Jacob lost it when he lost it. Because every time Jacob saw his sons, he said, Joseph is not. Can you imagine that? The whole time he's saying that, he's missing the fact that he's got everybody else. Reuben, Simeon, they're they're all there. Their children, his grandchildren, they're all there. But he's, he's focused on that one that's not. And so because of that, he can't ever see how good God has really been to him because his mind is stuck, fixed, fastened. I lost. I lost. Tom Brady was asked not long ago to recount, and I've told this story before, the most memorable Super Bowl he ever had. His answer, without hesitation, was the ones I lost. Guy's got six rings, right? Six, I think. Is that right? Six? You're a Brady fan. It's not the only thing in life about which you are mistaken, but nonetheless. (laughs) Um, Some other Brady fans in here. I know there's some other. I, I see you back there. But he said the ones he remembers are the ones he lost. That's us. That was Jacob. Man, I wish it wasn't me. I wish I I could say, I don't, (laughs) this is so beyond me. Because as I'm preparing for this message over the last few weeks, and probably a series here that'll go for a little bit, I think, I thought, man, I wish that wasn't me. I wish I was past that. I wish that every time something didn't go my way, I was just, hey, so. I, I wish I could say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. That's not me. I'm this guy. Don't lose it when you lose it. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Guide, direct our words, our thoughts this morning. Speak to our hearts and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What have you lost that you just can't get over? What is it? I don't even have to go through a list, so I have a few. But probably you've already thought about it. I was talking with someone this week, and they, they were going through a loss. And they said to me, I can't imagine God thought my life would be better this way. I thought for a long time about that statement. I don't think God looks at you and me that way and say, I'm going to take this from you. 
just because. I don't think God plays games with His children. If God, who loves it, you know, the Bible uses the example of a father with a son. If his son desires a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he needs bread, would he give him a stone? No. God is not in heaven playing games with his children. He doesn't look at you and say, oh, you like that? (laughs) Boom. Now see how your life goes. God doesn't do that. In fact, our conception of God, if that is our understanding of God, we've grossly misunderstood and miscalculated God's love for his children. He said, I loved you with an everlasting love. I loved you so much that I gave my son to die on your behalf. And yet we've lost some things, and the moment we lose them, we become Jacob, not Job. And the contrast could not be more striking between the two of them. See, Jacob, he actually didn't lose it. He thought he lost it, but he really didn't. Because God was, God's hand was in this the entirety of the time. Jacob couldn't see it. Jacob couldn't figure it out. He, He miscalculated that God was indeed working on his behalf, and that's why he and you, you can hear the cry from his heart as he says this. All the, it's, it's not just a simple matter-of-fact statement, all these things are against me. I think as he's saying this to his sons, he's beside himself. I think he's desperate. I think he's despondent. I think he's distressed. And I think he's at the place where he says, you again. Simeon is gone now. You're going to take Benjamin too? All these things are against me, he cries from the depths of his heart. And you've been there. Some of us are there now. Because as this statement is said, it's an event that happened decades prior. It didn't happen the day before. It wasn't yesterday's news. It wasn't as if the wound and the hurt would be so fresh that I could taste it, that this just happened a moment ago. No, this was years ago. Children have been born into his family. Possessions have been acquired. Favor has been given. But he's got one thing. And that one thing causes him to do this. Don't lose it when you lose it. And now let's look at the contrast in Job, if you will, and stay with me. The first thing that was gone was his wealth. Man, the Bible tells us about Job is, is it's staggering because God already said there wasn't anybody like him. God already said there was no one on the planet like him. He was one that feared God and eschewed his evil. And if you look at the chronology of the Bible, most people think that Job is the oldest book in the Bible. So he would have been long before most of what you read in the lives of, of most of the characters in the Old Testament. But here's Job, and he loses everything. As we look at uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 14 and following, there came a messenger under Job and saying, said, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. One guy survived out of everybody that was watching the asses and the oxen. We look further, verse number 16, while he was yet speaking. Now, now think about the enormity of this moment. Here's a guy telling you all bad news. I just want you to know, 
the oxen, the asses, they're all gone. They were stolen away. And every servant that you had that was tending them was gone. They were, they were, they were executed. I barely got out with my life. He's, while he was yet speaking, in other words, th- this is hitting Job right now. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God has fallen from heaven. By the way, that was not the fire of God. Because God told the devil he could take his possessions. Many times what is happening in your life, you wrongly blame the wrong source. See, the servant who comes up, he has no idea what's at work here. None at all. And so what's his first response? This came from God. Now, we know that God allowed it, don't misunderstand me, but that's not the culprit behind it. Because the devil's the one who came and said, what about Job? What about him? God said, hast thou considered my servant Job? And so this came. But nonetheless, the fire of God has fallen from heaven, hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Everything's gone. His possessions wiped away. While he was yet speaking, here's these two guys. One guy, the Sabaeans came, stole everything he had. One guy, the sheep are all burned up and devoured, and every servant was consumed by the flame from heaven. I only escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels, have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Not just in one day. Not even in one hour, but in one breath, Job realizes, I went from great wealth to where it's all gone. I have no possessions left. What was you doing? The servant said, it's it's clearly God's at fault here. He's the one behind it. He's the one who allowed it to happen. And by the way, that is the first reaction of everybody who goes through anything in life. I stood at the head of a casket of a teenage boy whose mother asked to me, why did God allow this to happen? He was along with the two other teenagers who were all killed in a car wreck. I remember the funerals were not held together, but I remember being at the funerals and, and speak, I spoke at two of the three, but I remember being at this one. I didn't have an answer for that mom. But I knew that the natural response and tendency for all of us is God. God did this. This was God's doing. It's the worst mistake you can ever make. You say, Pastor, you don't know what my hurt is. No, I don't. But I know the worst mistake you could ever make is to throw every wrong and wound that has happened in your life at the feet of God and say, He did this. Because you get later in Job's life, you know, as you get to, to the last chapter and you, you find out what God, how God was at work and how He blessed him abundantly and all of that. We'll get to that later. But remember the Bible says this about God, and all this Job sin not nor charge God foolishly. In other words, it would have been a foolish man's game to have blamed God. God said that. That's in the Bible. And if there was anybody who ever had a right to blame God, it would have been Job. Because God did drop the hedge. God did pull it down and say, 
You can take his possessions. Then eventually he's going to say you can, you can, take, you can harm him physically, you just can't kill him. God did all of that for you. You see, Job wasn't necessarily the benefactor here. Now, you know he gets blessed later. But how many times in your life has someone reminded you or the Holy Spirit has reminded you about what Job went through and you've thought, boy, I guess what I'm going through is not so bad. I guess mine's not so heavy, so weighted, so, so tainted against me. And so the first thing we see is that he lost his wealth. I've lost money. And I wish I hadn't, but I have. And you know the truth of the matter is, I think about it often. I wish I didn't think about it often. I lost a hundred grand a few years ago. Like that. It was a scam. They scammed me for my money. The feds came in and seized all the assets and sued the people and threw a bunch of them in jail. And after it was all done and the Treasury Department took out their proceedings for filing charges, I got a check for $600. It's easy for you to laugh. That was $100,000. Can I tell you how many times I've apologized to my wife for that? I know a lot of you in here didn't know that story. That's okay. I'm not asking you to feel sorry, though the ushers will be at the back taking the offering (laughs) and giving you another little Debbie cake. Do you know how many times I've thought about that? Weddings to pay for, four girls, thank you. I could have had one son. No. College to pay for. We just wrote another check for another one, college, and glad to do it. That 100000 would have been really, really handy. Don't you think? So you know what I could do is I could, I could get up every day and say, why did you let me do that? Why didn't you stop me? Like God is supposed to stop you from making dumb decisions. And don't call me dumb. I'm calling me dumb enough. That's, that's okay. I don't, need you to, I don't need you to jump in and say, yeah, what were you doing? That was stupid. Because you've done some. Yeah, but I never did that. Okay, good. I'll give you another oatmeal cream pie. But if I, if I wake up every morning and think about that, do you know what my day is going to be like? I'm grateful that I have such a loving wife that has never brought it up. She never has. Man, when we, we, we bought our house, and Adam here knows, we were talking about how Adam helped us. He was our realtor. And we were talking about, so he asked us, how much, how much are we putting down? I would have liked to have been able to put that down, you know? That would have been, that would have been helpful. That would have dropped my payment a bunch, a lot, but it's gone. And if you ponder about all of your bad choices in life, you'll never make any good ones. One, because you'll be too terrified to do so. And two, because your life is filled with regret and remorse for stuff that's already happened and done. Are you with me? 
And I know probably nobody in here has lost 100 grand, so I used me as the example. I'm the illustration this morning. But don't blame God. I don't blame anybody for that. I wish I could. Man, I wish I could. I'd like to throw that on somebody, but I can't because at the end of the day, I'm the only one who signed on the dotted line. The second thing is Job lost his loved ones. Same chapter. Notice the thread. These three guys are here. All your possessions are gone while he was yet speaking. There came also another said, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. I don't know about you, but I'm imagining Job thinking, what else? What now? More bad news. This can't be good. Because everything that has happened already has been so bad, I know this can't be good. And so we look in the 19th verse, Behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young man, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. So he lost his wealth, he lost his loved ones. You know, I, uh, I, I have never lost a child. Really, no, I haven't lost a sibling. I really took the loss of my mom and dad hard within the last year or so. Harder than I thought I would. There's, you know, I, I can't imagine this. Those of you who have lost loved ones, you understand what I'm saying. There's not a day goes by I don't think about them. Not a single day. None. I, I mean, I would. Yeah, and it's easy for people to say, well, you should just be over that. But I, I literally... I, I saw something funny yesterday, and I, uh, we, were ta- we were sitting with the girls, and uh, oh, we were eating breakfast um, at uh, Chick-fil-A, and we drove over there specifically for breakfast. Yes, it's worth it. Um, and while we were there, we saw something funny. I'm not bringing Chick-fil-A next week, so forget that, because <laughs> it's closed on Sunday. Yes. Um, I saw something very funny, and the first thought that I, I had as I said, I, t- I told him, I said, my dad would have died laughing over that. And my wife said, yes, he would have. I mean, I, c- I can still see his laugh. I can still see his shoulders shake, you know, as he's trying to keep it in and he's just laughing. And I miss that. I miss the fact that I can't go walk out the door and after the service today, call my dad and tell him how church went. My dad never even knew I came here because he got Alzheimer's and dementia, and so he never even knew we moved. He didn't know me the last three years of his life when I'd go to see him in the home and help feed him. He didn't even know who I was. He just thanked me for being a good worker there at the home. He said, you're a kind young man, and I was his son, and he didn't even know that. Man, I miss him. But I'm not going to blame God. I'm going to say, God, why didn't you live to 100 with good mind and strong faculties? I can't blame God. And I I can't sit here and not live because I've lost. Some of you are doing that. I'm not angry at you. I'm not judging you. But you've lost some things in life. And because of it, you're stuck there. And, And to be honest with you today, I hurt for you. 
because you're missing what God has for you. You you and I, if we're not careful, we will never see how good God has been because we look at things where we think He should have intervened and He didn't. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care who you are tonight. I don't care your story. I don't care your history. I don't care what you've lost. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. I don't care your, where, whatever. I don't, I don't care where you live, the car you drive. The, I, I, none of that matters. I can tell you this. If you're wealthier or impoverished, if you're educated or illiterate, I can tell you this. Every single person on the sound of my voice right now, you have to say, God's been very good to you. You have to, because he has. And so now we see Job losing his wealth, losing his loved ones. But then we see he lost his health. And some of you, you can't do the things you used to. Joe, he sent me a message yesterday. We were chatting. My wife and I were making some visits, and he sent me a message, growing old is not for sissies. And he said uh, uh, someone had told him that years ago. And I'll tell you, it's, it's not. And I was, uh, I, we went running last night. I went running with Rebecca. And then my wife and I were walking. And then I went for a run by myself. And I was, and I, and I was my Nike app was, was playing. And it told me my times. And I thought, man. And I see these other young people running. And they're going so fast. And I'm thinking, I could have done that. When I, I, in fact, I was faster than you when I was 16. When I was in high school, I could really do this. And now my, my app will say something like, one mile completed, nine minutes, 12 seconds. And I'm thinking, what? Are you on a walker? I mean, I did nine minutes and 12 seconds. Are you kidding me? And I don't even like saying that number out loud because it means... And so sometimes we, we bemoan our health and we think man, I can't do what I used to do. And I, I, I'm, I feel angry. Or we see someone that's battling something, we think, God, why them? Why that? My first response when Rebecca, our youngest, was diagnosed with liver cancer, my first response was, God, why her? That was my first response. And I, I man, I, I, I just wanted to say, that doesn't make sense. She's a child. She's 13 months old, and you've given her inoperable liver cancer? My first reaction is, God, what are you doing? First thing is, who am I to... I, I'm, the, I'm the pottery, not the potter. And so my first response is to blame God and look for who can be at fault here instead of saying, okay, I may not see it and I may not understand it. It may not make sense now, but I'm trusting you. You know, it was Job who said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him? He said, I've already lost everything and I have no possessions left. I I went from wealth to poverty. I've lost my children. They're all gone in one fell swoop, and now my health. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feared God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity. His integrity was by not charging God. 
Although thou movest me against him, destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thy hand now. Touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Now consider this man now. He's got nothing. His wealth is gone. His children are dead. And he's covered with boils from the crown of his brow to the sole of his feet. And he strips himself of his garment. And he covers himself with sackcloth and ashes. The garment of someone who's in deep mourning. And he takes a potsherd, if you would, a a sharp stone. And he's just scraping himself because of the intense pain. Physical, emotional wreck. Now, here's the question. Now, what would I do? Because that's what Job is at. And so my, my challenge for us this morning is, first of all, number one, don't blame God. Don't blame God. And the second thing is rise above your hurts because that's what Job did. And we don't have time to finish this, so I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here in a moment. Don't blame God and rise above your hurts. I, I can't, I, I wish I could. I, I wish I could make things go away. Sometimes when people talk to me, I, I wish I had a better answer. That mother, I'm standing at the head of a casket, and here's her son, 19 years age, killed in a car wreck. Why didn't God intervene? I didn't have an answer. I can tell you this, I don't know why. The greatest who ever lived and wrapped himself in a robe of flesh was Jesus Christ. And on Calvary, he said, why? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's a lesson for all of us who ever lived that there will always be a point in time when things go dark and you'll feel abandoned by God and everyone else. And you'll have no answers. And your first response is to blame him. And your second one, when you don't get a reply, is why? Because you want to know. But I'll tell you this. You don't always know today what God is doing. Because one of the greatest lessons in Job's life is nothing that ever happened to Job was about Job. And nothing that ever happened to Jacob was about Jacob. He was insistent that it was because he lost it when he lost it. That's why he said, all these things are against me. Your life is not your life. And your life is not about you. It's about bringing honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we were made. And so we contrast Jacob and Job. Jacob lost a son for a small window of time. Whatever you have lost now, the lesson from Jacob's life is this. It's only for a short time. You see, because I have the wonderful promise that my dad gave me when I was a boy, and that is he told me his testimony of salvation. He was saved at a Billy Graham crusade many, many decades ago. Told me how he got saved. 
So you know what? Even though I missed him and thought about him yesterday and thought about him again this morning, I know where he's at. And I know that one day I'll see him. So even though I've lost it, my loss as a child of God is very temporary because I have this hope, this hope, not in earthly promises, but that Jesus Christ will save all who come to him. So don't blame God. Realize this life's not about you. And then let me say this, wherever you're at, whatever your loss is, don't ever stop trusting him. My heavenly father, your heavenly father is working for you today. And it doesn't matter if you don't see him. It doesn't matter if you're still on the Y zone, if you're still trying to figure it out, if you're still scratching your head or pointing fingers or blaming or railing accusations. Understand this, as a child of God, whatever's going on in your life right now, God's busy. He's working. And he's working for your good, for his honor, for his glory, but for your good. When we say Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good, remember the verse says, for them, for them. Because Job's life wasn't about him. It was about us. And your life's not about you. It's about him and how he chooses to do what he does. Shall we stand?